You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hey everybody, it's Adam, live and in person for you. Hey everybody, it's Adam, wonder who he'll interview. Hey everyone, it's Call Me Adam, and on today's episode of Bearing It All with Call Me Adam on the Broadway Podcast Network, I am chatting with Allison Arngram, best known for her role as the acid tongue pre all meanie Nellie Olson from Little House on the Prairie. So don't go anywhere, because we're going to be right back with Allison. Hi, Allison. Hi, how are you? I'm well. How are you? I'm very good. Thank you so much for coming on the show, especially so early where you are. It's like seven in the morning it where you is. are. It is. It is completely seven in the morning, but I have coffee. Ah, I was wondering how you sound so upbeat and awake. I'm like, this is great. We, we really love caffeine. And, and with the, the stay at home, caffeine is the only way to get through the pandemic. This is, this is going to, what is going to save us is large cups of coffee. I'm convinced. <laughs> so as, you, as actually we just mentioned, we are conducting this interview during the COVID-19 pandemic. So how have you been holding up during this time? Better than I thought I was going to. That's what's so crazy is, um, well, first of all, okay, I'm extremely fortunate. Okay, one, I'm in California, I'm in LA. So mm-hmm. I'm in a, like a small house as opposed to my friends in New York who are in apartments that are like 10 by 12 and their outdoor activity is the fire escape. Yes. Um, <laughs> so I, I have a yard. Oh, wow. wow. Um, so that helps. Uh, I'm also not alone. I, I'm married. My husband is also here and the cat. Um, and then he got declared an essential, essential worker because oh. um, the construction company for which he works, um, they're building the people mover at uh, LAX, at Los Angeles International Airport, and that is what they call infrastructure. And infrastructure construction is considered essential, so they're open. I was a little concerned, though, because everything I do, as you know, involves large crowds of people. Yes. Um, theater, stand-up comedy, uh, autograph shows, Little House on the Prairie reunions. And I went, well, I'm watching my calendar go blank. That sucks. Mm-hmm. Um, and like all performers, it was like, well, no, can't do that. Nope, not that either. Oh, crap. Um, and it was very disconcerting. And then uh, on the fifth day, <laughs> I said, I'm going to read the Little House on the Prairie books. Mm-hmm. And you know, I've read them years ago. Yep. I read them over the years. I, got, I I didn't read them before the show. I'm awful. I read them after I got the part. <laughs> um, but then I read them. And I, thought, I've, I knew I haven't done is sat down and like read them all in order from the beginning. And I literally was going to do this totally. It's just like this Zen exercise. Of, I shall read the Little House books and it will be soothing. And then I said, oh, to heck with it. I'll do it on Facebook Live. So I went on Facebook Live and I mean, we hadn't been locked down a week and I went on Facebook Live in a a bonnet because I have them because I can. (laughs) Why are you wearing a bonnet? Because I can. Um, I put on a bonnet and I started reading from page one, chapter one of book one, Little House in the Big Woods. And I could not believe how many thousands of people tuned in. Mm. It was like people were sitting at home waiting for someone to come and read the Little House books to them. (laughs) It's like, I did not know this. And people went nuts. They said, this is awesome. And I do commentary and talk about like, well, that didn't happen in the show. And Mm. (laughs) I go through the... 
And I kept going every day. And now I have people, they're like, what time is she on today? And it's like thousands. I, it, the first one is like 60,000 views. Wow. That's amazing. And it's so much fun. It's so much fun. It's great for me. I'm loving it because once a day I get all dressed up and made up and fix my hair and put on a bonnet and start going, hi, everybody. And it's like romper room. And the people tuning in are just telling me that how much they're low. They said, well, this is like an hour that I'm not watching the news or torturing myself or terrified. I'm thinking about Laura Ingalls. It's great. Oh, that's so nice. And it probably means so much to all the people watching, especially the diehard fans. That, yeah. that I mean, anybody can read a book, but to have one of the original stars of the show read the book probably means so much more to them. Well, and we're all getting excited because I'm finally on book four, uh, Banks of Plum Creek. And that book is the one the show actually is based on. Most of the stuff that happened in the other books, we didn't even pay any attention to. <laughs> um, Banks of Plum Creek, because that's when they go to town and you have Nellie Olson and everything. So mm -hmm. Nellie Olson is about to show up any minute. And I have threatened to put on the wig while reading that section. Oh my God, that would be incredible. Right? See, I've already been... you're you're ready to tune in. See how oh, yeah. so much fun it yes. is. Yes, and people would love that. They would, I mean, they would, I don't want to say, I have to find a, a different term than I was going to use. They would, they would go crazy over it. Yeah, yeah. They're already, yeah. well, the bonnet thing went so nutty because I had, I had ordered a bunch of these gorgeous handmade bonnets from Walnut Grove, the real Walnut Grove, where they have the Laura Ingalls Wilder Museum and the whole thing. And oh they sell, God. and I was selling them at autograph shows. I would say, well, I have my book and I have my scented candles and I have autograph pictures. Oh, and I have bonnets. So everything's canceled. So I'm sitting there with like several bonnets laying around the house. <laughs> so I start wearing them and everyone says, that's awesome. Where can I get the bonnet? And I said, oh, I have an online store. I have a Square account thing. And you can go to my store and buy my book and bonnet thing. I had to call Walnut Grove and said, you, you got to send me more bonnets. Um, I can barely keep them in stock. As soon as I go to my store and go, okay, I have 10 more. They're sold out in seconds. I put up 20. They were sold out in like five minutes. Wow. And Walnut Grove is shipping more. And now they're buying these bonnets. And I autograph them. And I send them out. And I do a whole thing. I have a little tag. They're very fancy. And then people take pictures of themselves in the bonnets, reading along with their oh copies. Of, and they're sort of like, I'm ready. I've got my tin cup and my bonnet and my book. And it's become a thing. It's a thing. And we, we're all having a really good time together every day at 1.30. <laughs> that is so nice. That is so nice. And I love how everyone is wearing the bonnets with you. Yes, that yes. I didn't so know. Much more fun. I did not know they would go there. But I'm like, I will provide you with bonnets then. Bonnets are us. We'll yes. make that happen. Yes. I'm interested in those scented candles. I'm going to have to look at your you shop must. and see which ones, because I love candles. I have two. We have Nellie's Warm Cookie and mm. Allison's Hot Orange Tart. Oh, definitely <laughs> going on there this afternoon. You'll love it. You'll love it. Yes. You'll, you'll, you'll buy everything. I have so much yes. stuff. Reasonably and priced, too. And as I'm getting ready to move, those candles will be a nice mm -hmm. uh, housewarming gift uh, to my new apartment. They're really good. Yeah. I can't wait. So, um, well, one thing I love is how, like, like you just said a, little, a few moments ago, your, 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 all your work depends on thousands of people and you are getting mm -hmm. to entertain thousands of people now online. And one project that you have now that you're about to take online is 
you have your one woman show confessions of a prairie bitch which you have been performing for years especially in new york city at the Lori beachman theater yes and now you have refined that show to a 30 minute pg-13 um and you've retitled it confessions of a prairie terror (laughs) (laughs) so can you take us through a little bit of the retooling process, how you decided what stories to take out, which ones to keep. So crazy. Um, yeah. So like I said, as I watched my calendar go blank and I went, oh, this is all. I'm not going to get to go to Missouri. I don't get to go to New York. I don't get to go here. And I'm RuPaul's DragCon canceled. I was heartbroken. Um, I know. And uh, I sell so many bonnets there. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I thought, well, what am I going to do? Well, then the lovely people at Spin Cycle New York, uh, SpinCycleNYC.com, uh, Chip Duckett and the gang said, hey, there's this thing called Stage It. And we have all these cabaret performers who work the Beachmen and other venues. I love the Lori Beachman, by the way. So I was like, oh, the Lori Beachman's clothes. We're all clothes. What are we going to do? Um they said, we're we're doing a lot of stuff. We're going to go online. Do you want to do it on Stage It? I was like, this is genius. Um, so via Stage It, stageit.com, um, on May 9th, I set up in the living room and broadcast the show via Stage It, this whole live pay-per-view, much less than it would cost to see me at the Beachman and I'm in your <laughs> living room. Um, yeah, they said, okay, they said, well, we, if we call it Prairie Bitch, because Confessions of Prairie Bitch is the Beachman show, um, they said it, it's the servers and people's email accounts, it's like any advertising. If it's in the title, it will sometimes get blocked. Right. Um, so they said, and then you're also broadcasting to a whole audience that would not be coming to the Beachman. So, you know, rein it in. <laughs> it's like, so I said, okay, what do we, okay, how about Prairie Terror? And it's sort of alliterative. I said, Confessions of Prairie Terror totally works. Um, and then I said, well, 30 minutes. Oh, good heavens. Because, I mean, good Lord, the Beachman, I was doing like hour and a half. Sometimes right. with Q&A, I'd be on for two hours. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> I have an encore. Um, and then even when I did the Fringe Festival uh, in Rochester, it was like 75 minutes or something. So I said, wow. But then I thought, well, no, we probably won't do all the video. We'll do this. We'll do that. And there's certain stories like when we converted the act to a French show, when uh, Patrick Lebatier, uh said, I can do it at French Adaptation. He said, there's a lot of things that don't translate, but this Mm. part does. So it's like, wow, there's certain sections that are sort of like the eternally hysterical stories about being called a bitch in public, about being a crazy ex-child star, about having been on Little House. Some of those pieces are just, yep, yep, this is good stuff. Um, So that staying, I will still be talking about the French I will still be talking about my mother being Casper the Friendly Ghost. Um, so I'm going, okay, what can I cram into the half hour? This is good. This is good. And I I got to keep some Q&A because mm-hmm. the question and answer segment is so popular. It's my favorite. And I thought, well, I can't hand them all little cards. And then I said, or can I? So we scanned an Ask Allison card, the little Ask Allison Anything cards I hand out at the Beachman, and put it up on Facebook and said, start posting your questions here. Oh, what a great idea. I am collecting the the virtual audience's virtual questions, which I will then virtually read off probably real index cards and do exactly as if I was doing my Q&A on stage. That's such a brilliant idea. It's been and so much fun. What a great way to, to get everyone involved before the show to mm-hmm. even to sort of build up that momentum. That's a 
genius. And there's prizes. They have a thing with um, it's all new. It's all new and new. I mean, I learned to do Zoom. I'm learning to do Be Live. I learned to do Facebook Live. I'm like, okay, how many more platforms am I learning in the next ten minutes? Um, there's a thing with Stage It where people you know, they can tip you like a drag yes. queen. It's you know, <laughs> awesome. Um, so I'm like, okay, tips. Well, I, I do cameo too. I do that crazy celebrity greeting thing cameo. Yes, that's wonderful. I got because everybody when the pan- pandemic hit, a lot of actors went. Well, I could go on cameo, and my agent was like, they're all going on cameo. Just go on cameo. <laughs> I was yes. like, okay. And people love that. And the Prairie fans dig that. Then Mother's Day is coming. I'm doing so many Mother's Day greetings. Um, So they do tips on that, too. And I'm like, tips? But there's a thing with um, uh, Stage It that if someone tips the most or bids on a thing, you can have prizes. Oh, wow. So we're going to have like a package where you get a bonnet and a book and a tin cup and like a Skype call with me and oh one God. where you get a bonnet and a cup and one where you get so many autographed pictures. So I have little packages of stuff. And I've set aside like the prettiest bonnets for the packages. Uh, that's going to be so great. Oh, yeah. So I'm, I'm a full service celebrity. I do. Yes. I do aim to please. <laughs> yes, you are. I love that. And speaking of Mother's Day, Mother's Day is actually the time of year when you normally come to New York to do right. your show. And that's the thing is May 9th. I was scheduled for May 9th at the Beachman and I was yes. really bummed, really bummed that I wasn't going to do that. That was like, oh, that's the worst one. The worst. And then when they're like, well, we have a plan. I was like, yes, yes, yes the show will go on right over there in that part of my living room. Yes. I have a backdrop. <laughs> I have like one of those backdrops people use for um, like video auditions on their phone. I have little backdrops. I have lighting. I have lighting oh up God. the wazoo. I have stuff. I can actually like produce a show in here. This is going to be amazing. Now there's two dates. It's May 9th and May yes. 13th. 16th. 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 It's uh, the 16th. next Saturday. They're both Saturdays and one is like 5 o'clock LA time, 8 o'clock New York time. And then the next one's like eight o'clock LA time, eleven New York time. Yes. So convenient times, and then for the, that works too because like the five one, then the people in Europe can sort of, yeah. So you know we'll finagle it around for the Europeans and whatnot. That's that's in, that's. To- I just got so tongue-tied. That's incredible because now <laughs> really everybody in the world will get to watch it. That's that's the plan. And it's so crazy because it's like, yeah, you know, it's only half an hour and it won't be NC-17 because that's weird because I'm like in your house, you know, swearing at you. That would be mean. So right. it, <laughs> it seems odd. Um, it's well, it's like when I did the audio book, when I, I, I got to record my own audio mm-hmm. of my book. It was awesome. And the director, she was so good. She directed tons of audio books. She said, you know, you want to, you know, slow down. You want to make sure you speak clearly. And I'm like, yeah. She said, but also when you get to like the really intense parts of your book, there's a particularly upsetting story. She says, you really want to slow down and go easy on them because remember, they're listening to it like in their car or on headphones. You're speaking from practically inside their body. It's like the killer is in the house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, That's the <good> direction. <laughs> and if you're talking about something traumatic, it's like you're literally inside their head in the headphones. It's really intense. So she said you have to really like you might want to pause after you say that. <laughs> like you have to go easy on the listener. And I thought That's really true. So I'm in people's living room. So, it, you know, PG-13 at worst. But we still have several very good stories and, of course, Q&A. So it'll be awesome. I love it. 
I love it. Um, what's one, um, since you, since you are known for playing Nellie Olson on Little House of the Prairie, what's one memory or fact or story about the show that you have not shared? Oh, my God. I don't know, man. We had our 45th anniversary <laughs> a couple of years ago, and we're coming up on the 50th. I think I may have discussed literally every second of the seven years <laughs> at some point. Um, it was amazing. I mean, because I was there, you know, it was seven years. So from the time I was 12 till I was 19. I mean, when I was 21, I had been on Little House in the Prairie a third of my lifetime. Wow. That's insane. And yeah. and it was so much pro- and and formative years. I mean, I just started junior high when I started mm. Little House. In, in, do you remember what junior high was like? Yes. <laughs> ah! Yes. Um, so the most formative, volatile period of development of junior high and high school and through that entire time, I was on Little House in the Prairie playing Nellie Olson. So that's that's going to have a hell of an impact on your whole development and existence. Did you go to a public high school where you tutored on set? Both, because I did a crazy thing. I stayed enrolled because when you have school on the set, the deal is you're supposed to be technically enrolled somewhere. Mm-hmm. Or unless you're officially homeschooling and you have papers. And well, like Melissa Gilbert, she was actually enrolled at Buckley School, the fancy place out there. And But she was getting all her assignments in advance and the set teacher would do them all. I was in um, seven out of 13. So I was like half the episodes. So I would have time off. She She got like a month off at like hiatus. And then that was like it. Whereas I would go work for two weeks, go to school for three days, go work for three days, go to school for a week and back and forth and back and forth, be gone for a month, come back. And it was very erratic, but I stayed enrolled at the school I'd been going to, a public school. I was at, I went to Bancroft Junior High and then Hollywood High School. And it was smart because not only I you know had somewhere to go when I had time <laughs> off, but the group of people I went to school with I started going to school with them in the third grade back at Gardner mm-hmm. Elementary. And I, I name dropped the schools because they actually are all famous. Gardner Elementary School, everybody went there. Judy Garland went to freaking Bancroft. Everybody went oh, to wow. Hollywood High. They're they're both very if when you when you do the the Hollywood tours, like they're all on the tour. <laughs> everybody went to these schools. Everybody knows Gardner and Bancroft and Hollywood. It's like, oh my God, I know so and so went there. Um so I did go to those schools and I had been going to school with these people since the third grade. And it was the same group that went on to my junior high and high school. So by staying enrolled, that meant if I had days or weeks off from the show, I was back in class with these people I'd known since I was eight. Mm. And that gave me a sense of continuity and normalcy that I still had my friends. I still had this like, quote, real life where I was hanging out in junior high and eating terrible food and getting beaten up. Oh. <laughs> it's just what we do in junior high is get it's the crap true. beaten out of us and eat yes. horrible stuff at the cafeteria. Uh, so I still got to do all of that. <laughs> and then I'd be on the set. And, and the set, it's it's glorified study hall. You have three hours they cut out of the day. And not all at once either. It's like, shoot a scene. Quick, go back to school. Go into a room with like folding chairs and tables and like do your homework. And then half an hour later, come back out and do this scene and do that all day. Um, So this is three hours where you try to get your homework done. And they and the teachers, um, some of them are very good back then. They were great. We had uh, Mrs. Fife and Mrs. Muneer, and they were of the old school. They were real teachers and they were fabulous and they would help Mm. you. Um, Nowadays, I mean, 
There's ads online. Become a set teacher. Meet celebrities. So you can imagine what wow. they get. Right. They, they, they don't right. get good ones with that. But the, the, the old ones are great. That's well, you're lucky that you had real teachers at that time. Oh my God. Yes. Oh my God. There's some good set teachers out there now, but you, you have to hunt for them. So yeah. Right. <laughs> right. In, in creating the show, um, your one woman show and in writing your book, was there anything you learned about yourself that you didn't know going through it? I think, yes, I think so. Because one of the first notes I got from the editor at Harper Collins was, <laughs> You are relentlessly cheerful. Could you be sad about something in this book? <laughs> you do like, have a very upbeat attitude, which I, which I adore. Yeah, they're like, you're describing horrible things that happened to you. And then you're going, but then it was really great the next day. It was really, it was fine. It's like, really, it's okay if you say, and this was bad and I was unhappy. Uh, we understand that you're upbeat. You can give it a rest. <laughs> like, like, what? <laughs> I think I've always had a weirdly optimistic outlook. And I think that's one of the things that's kept me going is even when during my childhood or periods of my life where things were really kind of awful, um, I always said, well, something comes after this. It's not going to be like this forever. This, this has to end somehow. Mm -hmm. And that's probably why I'm, I'm doing reasonably I haven't pulled all of my hair out in clumps and run screaming down the street. I'm doing sort of well during this um, in that I go, well, this will change. This will end. I don't know how yeah. it will end. Uh, we may be wearing masks and not touching each other for years. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. the, the part where I, I, you know, I can only go to the post office and the grocery store, that will probably change in some fashion. Yes. Yes, um, I agree. So I go, <laughs> hey, we got to keep this up forever. And Laura Ingalls did write nine books, so I can keep this up for months. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. If, um, if Michael Landon were still here today, what do you think, what do you think his take would sort of be on, on, on how things are or what would you, what would you want to talk to him about? Uh, well, he always had this marvelous work ethic, which I think is what we all, all of us kid stars especially, picked up from the show. Um, I mean, he had a great, <clears throat> wonderfully warped sense of humor. He enjoyed practical jokes, so that was really fun <clears throat> on the set, kept it light, as they say. Uh, he ran a light set, but he was a real taskmaster because, I mean, we'd go to work at four in the morning, and he was like first one there and last one to leave, and he was directing and writing and producing and doing everything. Um so, but he also liked to smoke and drink and was a maniac. Uh, so it was kind of like all at the same time. Um, I don't know. He, what he would think of, of our world now, I mean, he would still be producing, you know, even in his 80s. Mm -hmm. I think he'd still be working like a fiend because that was his nature. Um, I think um, he probably would be pleased with my work ethic that I kept up that part. <laughs> Even sitting here in my house with everything closed, I'm up at 7 a.m. talking to you. Yes. And I've, I've got, I have two huge boxes full of, of envelopes, full of bonnets and books to get to the post office this morning. <laughs> so I'm like, la, 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 working, working. I have a show. <laughs> so. What are some uh hobbies or unusual talents you have outside of acting well for some reason it really surprises people that i can cook i mean 
I, I learned to cook when I was a little girl. My father was a great cook. People I know can't cook. It's always because like somebody was a good cook in the house. Like if their mother could cook, they usually can't cook because why? They had someone bringing them food. Um, my mother could not cook, but my father could. He made all the really good food in the house. And, but he taught me to cook. I was like five. He's like, here, stand on a chair. This is scrambled eggs. Um, <laughs> and I learned to, to cook then. So I'm a really good cook. And it was really funny because, of course, Nellie Olson could not cook at all. Right. And set everything on fire and threw food at people and had to have Percival come in and pour eggs over her head. So that's sort of hilarious. People go, well, you can cook. Um, the other is apparently I'm better at gardening than I thought. Um, mm -hmm. I did not think I was good with plants, but I have geraniums and tomatoes going. But you can't kill geraniums. Geraniums are almost impossible to kill. So I have a lot of geraniums and I, I grow lovely tomatoes. And so I do, I garden weirdly. Um, but yet cooking and gardening, strangely, are, are huge with me, which makes no sense. And what's your favorite meal to make either? Mm. Uh... I guess I really do love um, Thanksgiving because you can go nuts. Um, and Thanksgiving, weirdly, is my husband's favorite holiday. So he makes the stuffing. He has a stuffing he does with pine nuts and currants. And it's the Sicilian thing and spices. It's amazing. Um, but I make the greatest turkey ever. I make the best mm. turkey in Los Angeles. I, I put You can go on my Instagram. <laughs> I, have, I put up pictures of my turkey on Instagram and Facebook. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's that good. It looks like a magazine turkey. It looks like Better Homes and Gardens. It looks like it's oh, not wow. real. It looks like a, a food photo shoot turkey. People are like, is this real? He's just like lacquered this thing. It's just like a photo shoot turkey. It's not. And uh, my father taught me how to do that, how to make perfect turkey. Oh, that's so nice. And it's moist. It's pretty. And then mm. everyone who comes over says, how did you, this is like a gigantic turkey. And they normally get dry if you have to cook it. How is this thing still moist? So I'm very clever with the turkey. I love it. Maybe you should reach out to the Food Network to try to get a cooking show. I, oh God, I would love that. That's a when I was a little girl, I used to watch The Galloping Gourmet and Julia Child. <laughs> Have you seen that thing, the Julia Child, uh, I, that, that PBS best of thing? I haven't seen that, but I used to watch her growing up. Yeah. It's Julia's bites or what it's they have all these like current famous chefs from restaurants or cooking shows who come on and talk about julia child and show all the clips from the julia child shows oh my god i've been watching that i was like it's awesome because i watched julia child when i was little and i watched galloping gourmet and i was obsessed so yes i would love to have a cooking show i am working on a cookbook because my fans have been Ooh. demanding this um i'm calling it uh one of my favorite lines from the show that my fans scream at me to say over and over is who's going to do the cooking um because <laughs> nelly of course you know her mother's right. like look i got you a stove at a restaurant i'm like yeah right who's gonna do the cooking and so i realized since so many people especially younger people nowadays who cooks who cooks you microwave you order in um so people have forgotten many of the things we took for granted, people learning to cook. So I thought I would do the recipes that are absolutely foolproof really, for people who do not know how to boil water. Like, mm -hmm. just break it down. Like, look, you can do this. It's very easy. To that would cook. be me. You would love this. You would love this. I can teach you to cook. It would be who's going to do the cooking, cook recipes for people who cannot cook. I love it. I, I would, would definitely turn, get I it. Could, I could turn you into a gourmet chef in four days. That would be amazing. And my mom would be so happy. And I'd be like, 
Look, mom, I learned it from Nellie Olson. Right? I could totally <laughs> teach you to go. And I'm th- and then my friends are going, are you, you should do cooking lessons online. So now I'm yes. thinking, ooh, I could do a thing like a Patreon thing where you tip and I like make scrambled eggs on Facebook Live or something. I could do this. Yes. <laughs> I'm, yes. I'm like, I'm like yes. planning my next insane thing from the couch here with you. <laughs> that could also be like one of your um, cameo videos for somebody. Right? Oh, no, don't get them started. I'll have 50 requests this <laughs> afternoon. I, it's all I can do to keep up and then they come from all over the world so several mm-hmm. of my cameos i've had to do in french oh, so wow. oh it's yeah it's so crazy they, they do love me because in, in france they they're obsessed with la petite maison dans la prairie it's on every single day at noon and um they in france as a cultural thing they they don't think nelly olson's mean they think she's french <laughs> she seems perfectly normal to me i don't know what the fuss is about um they do they love they are obs- little house in the prairies literally never been off the air in france it's on wow. every day and you That's know french incredible. traditionally french people go home for lunch from school mm-hmm. or from work and they used to when little house first started it was everyone in france went home for lunch and even in modern times there's still they maybe go to the break room at lunch and the TV's on and we would have soap operas or reality shows. They have, the Prairie is on. But they still go home in droves. So everyone watches Little House of the Prairie every day in France. And they, everyone, even like in our country, women watch Little House, gay men watch Little House. Mm-hmm. No, in France, like completely straight macho older guys watch Little House. <laughs> We'd like never watch it in the U.S., they watch it. They, everyone has memorized every episode. They make little house jokes in all their movies and TV shows. It's bananas. So oh my God. I go there all the time and I have a whole show, a whole review, a thing I do in French. I just did a tour. I just got back oh February 19th from France when this all started hell oh, breaking wow. loose. I had literally just come back. Wow. What a great what a great place to have a legacy in like that. Right of all the yeah. countries to, to have yes. now. I hear the Argentinians love me as well. I do need mm. to go there, um, but the French love me, and I did a movie there, and it was completely crazy. And I, I go back all the time, and I have all these French friends, and um, and I did. I'm so happy. The when I came back in the 19th, right before I left, I went to the store and bought all of my favorite face cream, like several jars, and <laughs> shipped them home, and threw another whole bunch of my suitcase. So I'm like. I don't know when I'm going to get back to France, but I have a crate of moisturizer under my sink. <laughs> you are set. Thank God. Thank, thank God, God. I snagged all the yes. moisturizer before yes. I left. <laughs> now everybody in France is like, where'd our moisturizer go? It's at Allison's house. There's, there's no moisturizer in the shelves. Right. She like toilet paper. I took all their moisturizer. I'm sorry. Exactly. <laughs> well, um, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, uh, We're going to just change the tone a little bit to get to a few serious things to talk about. Priceline presents Go to Your Happy Price. What's up? It's Kaylee Cuoco. When it comes to travel, we all have a happy place. You can see yourself already there. It's beautiful. It might be sunny and sandy for some, neon and urban for others, deserts or rainforests or hiking trails. With Priceline, you can get to your happy place for a happy price with deals you really can't find anywhere else. Like up to 60% off select hotels to Costa Rica or five-star hotels for two-star prices in Cabo. Go to Priceline.com and travel to your happy place for a happy price. All right, see ya. I'm off to Miami. No, actually, wow, look at that. No, I'm going to Hawaii now. Ooh, Cancun looks nice. You know what? 
Belize looks pretty nice this time of year. Or, mmm, Palm Springs. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Febreze is a proud partner of Can't Cancel Pride. However you choose to express yourself, Febreze has the perfect scent to make your home even more fabulous in your own unique way. Have an amazing pride from Febreze. And now we're back. Um, that was so quick. I love it. I that. know. It's so quick. Um, so in addition to acting, you're very involved in uh, several social causes, including HIV and AIDS and uh, child advocacy against abuse. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So let's start with your HIV and AIDS advocacy. Um, you got involved in that after your good friend and Little House co-star Steve Tracy passed away from AIDS in 1986. True. Yes. Yeah. Uh, go oh, go on. You had another. Oh, no, thing. I was just going to say, um, what what was it like in the eighties and nineties to help raise awareness and fight to find a cure as compared to your advocacy that you do today? The eighties were terrifying. If you weren't an adult in the eighties, I got to tell you, it was unbelievable. Um, my husband Bob, who ran the Southern California AIDS Hotline—that's how we met actually at AIDS Project Los Angeles. Oh, wow. Um, we've both said that during this pandemic, um, we're having flashbacks. Or as Bob said, this mm-hmm. is not my first plague. Um, it's mind blowing because of the things we're seeing, the, the denial, like maybe it's not really happening. The, mm-hmm. oh, well, the people who got it, if they die, big whoop. We remember hearing that in the eighties, nobody cared. Mm-hmm. Um, the cr- not having an actual count because the testing, the first antibody test, the first HIV test, people said, oh, we can get tested for the virus. It was for antibodies, and they had a heck of a time. The first tests were not very accurate, and it took them ages. And it was like, well, what does the test mean? Well, it's how accurate? Oh, it's barely 50%. And then eventually they got to be 90% accuracy or better, but they weren't at first. Like now, there's antibody tests for um, COVID-19 for the antibodies, but one of them is like barely 70% accuracy. So right. we're still all over the map. Oh, the crackpot cures that everyone had mm-hmm. back in the early 80s was unbelievable, the stuff people coming up with. Um, the will we have a vaccine? Will we have treatment? All of this. I and, and of course, the other part that Bob and I lived through before, getting the phone calls mm-hmm. every few days. Mm-hmm. Oh, he didn't make it. Oh, so-and-so's in the hospital. Oh, so-and-so, another person. Finding out how many of your friends are in the hospital, how many of your friends are sick, how many of your friends are sick with something else and panicking and becoming hysterical because they think they have it. This is, we lived through all of this. We did this before. Um, So that's kind of terrifying. So the 80s were a terrifying time and people did not know what the heck they were doing. They thought they were going to get AIDS off a doorknob. Mm -hmm. It was insane. So Steve Tracy, there he is, his star from Little House, get sick and initially same thing he t- i have cancer i mean he told me anything other than that then he said right. okay i'm going public so he goes public my phone rings off the hook because well we married on tv and we kissed on tv and they're mm-hmm. like well do you have it and has he been in your house and oh my god um oh my and it was so nuts and i remember thinking these people and they would ask me medical questions or coming to Nellie olson for like medical mm-hmm. epidemiology advice mm-hmm. and i'm like this is insane so i signed up at AIDS Project Los Angeles, and I took the hotline training, which was a very rigorous training because mm-hmm. you had to answer the phones and you had to have medical information and testing referrals, and you had to be able to like talk people off the ledge, sometimes literally. Yes. Um, and so you had this huge training, and it was great because then 
when I did speaking gigs, I was in their speakers bureau and went all over town and then eventually all over the country, I was able to bring people reasonable and decent information. They said, well, I heard this, I heard that. And I go, okay, here's what's actually going on. And like now, you know, I go on Twitter and I go online and I find Journal of American Medicine, Morbidity, Mortality, Weekly Report, uh, The Lancet, The Real Medical Journals, because I used to read them all back then. I'm now going back to all those medical journals mm-hmm. to get like the actual data of what people are actually doing about this virus that's right. killing everyone. So it's like, this is very weird. Um, but people were so frightened then and they didn't have good information. And we were the Internet was in its infancy. So you couldn't just Google it. Right. <laughs> you right had to exactly. phone, so you had to dial a phone and call someone. Um, and so that was really crazy. And people were so freaked out. And, it, and the weird thing, like now, there was this complete hysterical panic. Oh, my God, I'm going to get it off a doorknob. I'm going to mm. get it through the air. And then at the same time, oh, I don't need to worry about who I'm having sex with or using a condom because it's only those people over there. Right. So extreme denial of risk and then overabundance of caution and risk. And we're seeing that now. We're seeing people who are, no, 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 it's fine. I can I can go anywhere I want and I don't need a mask and I don't need to wash my hands because nothing's going to happen. Exactly. And then I know people who are scrubbing down their groceries in the bathtub mm-hmm. and, yes. and, and washing their hands till they bleed. It's like, yes. OK, somewhere in between. Guys, guys, yes. it's, you know, um, and it's it's crazy and it, and it is terrible and it is a virus where again how does it work we don't have a treatment we don't have a cure we don't have a vaccine and it's killing mm-hmm. people exactly. uh and we have um, a president yeah. who's like in denial of it right and with, the like, same thing is ronald reagan. reagan yeah reagan was like what what do you do who and that was the problem is that back then when they went to government officials and said well it's a virus well who's it killing um gay men iv drug users haitians they went and the problem would be what Exactly. They were like, oh, sounds like a good start. I mean, that's people did not freaking care. Um, And so I was talking about it and going public, going on TV and going everywhere. And um, the other people who were at the beginning, Morgan Fairchild should get a medal. Mm. She she, she was all over it at the very beginning. Joan Rivers did like a fundraiser for like AIDS Project Los Angeles in like 1982. I mean, she was the first person to do anything. Joan Rivers, Morgan Fairchild, uh, and Liz Taylor, of course. And then like me and like Madonna. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But uh, everyone knows about Liz and Madonna and me, but it's like really Morgan Fairchild and uh, Joan Rivers were two of the biggest heroes really, 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 really early. I mean, thank God. Thank God for everybody. That, like that you and everybody stepped in the way you did Worked to help so raise that hard. awareness yeah. yeah it was much that when they had the larouche thing or, do, do you remember that was a california thing but did you lyndon larouche this guy who wanted to like quarantine people and put them on islands and stuff i think i vaguely remember something about that yeah he was just he was running for president from his prison cell <laughs> it was like one of uh-huh. the, he was a real winner um yes. he he but he had this whole very anti-gay thing and then but i and he got props on the ballot and it was crazy mm-hmm. and i did some of the radio psa saying no vote no on this blah blah and it was like burt lancaster was like the other person who did radio psas oh wow to to help fight the larouche thing and i'm like Burt Lancaster, Burt Lancaster, okay. Um, so yeah, so there's all sorts of celebrities that we don't think about who came forward were really helpful. It's like, yes. what? Um, yeah. But yeah, I was going everywhere and it was because my friend who I loved was sick and I mm. wanted to help him. And then he, he died in 86, but I saw, Steve was in, 
he had a lot going for him. His mom and his sister stood by him. He mm-hmm. had resources and health insurance and things. And I saw so many people, of course, who did not, who were becoming right. homeless from this. So I wanted to help everyone, and, and I did. And as I met my husband, Bob, who was director of the hotline, he'd start, I started APL in wow. 86. He was there since 84. So oh, he's wow. an amazing guy. And um, so we did that. And so I, I wound up doing a lot. I was doing... There was also there was legislative activism because there were so many then bills and propositions and Senate bills and stuff and you yes. know the Ryan White Act and everything, um, and now because I'd built up this history, so this group called uh, the National Association to Protect Children mm-hmm. hit me up a while back and because they they knew I, I was good at this sort of thing and. What they were doing was so amazing. I was like, yes, yes, I want to be in this because they hit up by charities all the time. A lot of people want to fight child abuse. They were doing things that other people weren't doing. They said, well, we're going to actually fight things on a legislative level. There are loopholes in laws where someone... We're, we're fighting it over here. We, you know, we're catching the people and then we get them to court and we help the kid testify. We're doing this. We're doing all these different things and different groups are helping. But we're seeing where people are being convicted, confessed and convicted of sexually abusing a kid and then walking right out the courthouse door with like no jail time. Mm-hmm. And the problem is, is that one of the exceptions was the incest exception that someone who could sexually abuse the kid next door and get 20 years if it was their own kid under that exception, they could get no jail time served and have no prison record. Wow. And get the record expunged because, oh, well, it was your own kid. So, and it was in state by state. It was very crazy, different rules in every state. So we changed the law in like seven states. Uh, we did stuff at the federal level. We're so, And we created a thing because there's a thing called um, the Internet Crimes Against Children Task Force. Every large mm-hmm. city has one. And these are the people who, uh, the child trafficking, the child pornography, they find them. They can technologically find the people who are doing this. Yes. I've seen We're, it on SVU. Exactly. Those yeah. guys. And Well, Jared. Remember when Jared of Subway and they came and took him away? Yes. That big van that pulled into his driveway when they took him out of the house and took all his computers. That's the ICAC team. Those are those guys. They're awesome. Yeah. Um, that, that is ICAC. Because if everyone said, what is ICAC? The big van in Jared's front yard when they took him away in handcuffs. That's ICAC. Uh, so that whole thing. That's They caught him. Um, so they were undermanned and underfunded and under everything. So we not only like lobbied to make sure they were still getting their paychecks and properly funded, <clears throat> we actually uh, got them tech. We, we had people like fabulous, brilliant people who do this sort of thing, create tech to help law enforcement. And we have the HERO program. We're actually training returning veterans from war to learn about computer forensics and what they're doing and then get them farmed out apprentice to the ICAC team. So we're getting the manpower. It's, it's very clever. It's all oh, very complicated wonderful. and brilliant. And then we're expanding. We're doing like a bunch more stuff. We're going to be going to all kinds of areas. But if you go to protect.org, you can see all of these different and really interesting things. It's like every time there's an, they come up with a new idea, I'm like, who is doing that? They go, well, nobody actually. <laughs> is anyone trying that? No, no, j- just us. I'm like, awesome. Um, so, yeah, the stuff that we're doing and the groups we've partnered with and the clever things, I'm like, who the ha- who comes up with this? Um, so they're kind of genius and they're doing things that other people really hadn't thought of trying. Um, and it's kind of awesome. And we're going to be doing more stuff. And so I'm now um, president of the board of directors which is oh, crazy. Wonderful. Um, yes. So I feel 
it's great. I've not only been able to, you know, testify in Sacramento and everything, but and and we changed the law in New York, by the way. I did go to Albany and we fixed that there. Um you guys had like a horrible incest exception. It was really bad. Sorry, but uh, it's okay. It's okay. It's fixed now. Um, but it it was really crazy. But I'm also like have you know brass tacks, board of directors stuff. And when people ask me how can you sleep at night when you know what you know about mm-hmm. how bad the abuse situation actually is in this country and worldwide, and what they're actually doing to children, and how terrible it really is, and how prevalent. The reason I'm able to sleep at night is I also know what Protect is doing and what ICAC is doing and what all these people who are fighting it are doing and that I am helping that, that I am doing that. And so I am able to sleep at night. That's that's wonderful. Now, I know you yourself, is a, a you're a survivor of yes. a child molestation. Yes. When, when did you get the strength yourself to come out about your own abuse and oh, like, what was the moment that made you go now's the time to come forward well it's so crazy because i remember you know i was abused from like six to like nine and then i was 21 when i went to therapy and you know that's what's so crazy is i then read a statistic that the average time for a victim to start even talking about it or seek therapy or anything is 14 years and i was mm. like Oh, 14 years to like the day. Okay. <laughs> it's wow. like I'm a cliche. I'm textbook. Oh, no. Um, and then public, I was like, why would I go public? But then I was working with Protect and they said, okay, we're going into Sacramento and California and we're, we've got a piece that we found a senator and he's written legislation. We've got it. We worked with him and we've got a bill and we think we can do this, but there's huge, they really don't like to change this. There's so many people, frankly, it's always follow the money. There are so many people who are financially invested in having this loophole. They mm. like it. They like it the way it is and they do not want to change it. Um, so this is going to be an uphill battle. So, if you go in, obviously this is going to come out. You're going to be asked, so what do you want to do? And I said, well, will it help? And when we went in and we had to wind up going on CNN, I, I they initially said no. They did not want to even touch our bill or get it out of committee. So I wound up going on Larry King Live. And it was, will this help? And they said, are you kidding me? You show up on Larry King Live? And that was the thing. Is it Larry King? They said, you talking about this? Because people know you. You've been in their right. living room. So it's different. They said, and I I remember I said, well, I can get, you know, a doctor and a lawyer and a therapist and a senator. I could have all these people come on with me. And they went, no, they don't know them. (laughs) They said, this is TV. This is how it works. They know you. They don't know them. You have to go like, oh, boy. So but by my going on the show and on CNN with Larry King and talking about the whole thing. But I was allowed to talk about the law. I was allowed to talk about what's happening. We crashed the servers in Sacramento. People called and emailed and went nuts. Wow. And it worked. It, so we wound up going back in and reintroducing the bill. And because now people were watching, people were like, what? There's a law that says what? Suddenly they, we had we had stuff behind us. We had people actually saying, well, what's going on? They were doing, you know, most laws that are passed at the state level, the city level, the national level, you don't even know about. Right. They don't get news coverage. They go, oh, that's boring. And actually, these are often the laws that affect your day-to-day life. Many of the things you may see on the news that get coverage, 
the things it's like i don't know maybe it's 10 percent of what's really going on you, you get they get coverage and they get repeated over and over and over again in all the different networks so you're hearing about the same five or six like legal issues right and meanwhile 127 bills got passed and they never even mentioned them in the news and those are the things that are going to screw you up when they go through <laughs> and you don't even know they're happening till it's too late and it's the same thing unfortunately with child abuse law Yes. Well, thank God you you had the courage to come forward and and all the work you've been doing, I'm sure has helped just so many, so many children and families. I'm 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 hoping I'm hoping I mean yeah. that's we we call the the our our tech stuff at, at protect we call it the the Weiss Center for Child Rescue Technology, and we use the term child rescue. Yeah, it sounds nice, but it is literally true because mm. when those ICAC teams have raided places they're often taking children out of the home. And right. it's like, you know, you imagine you're the cops and you come in and someone, you know, you know that they have literally hundreds of thousands of, of child sexual abuse images. And then you mm -hmm. get there and you go, oh, it's the kid from the video. Yeah. Can you imagine? Yeah. Yeah. I've seen, <laughs> I've seen some, uh, a few episodes of SVU have had something <laughs> like that. And it I sounds mean, funny, but SVU, they do. I mean, I, I have seen several SVU. I went, oh, I know which case they're talking about. Yeah. Oh, hello. Yeah. They, they do. I mean, they always say, oh, no, no. It has nothing to do with any real right, or person's fiction. Yeah. And it's all completely based on actual stories. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So they, um, they've done a pretty good job on SVU. They've, I've seen a couple and went, oh, yep, that, that one's right. That's correct. Yep, yep. Yes. Yep. I'm starting to watch those series from the beginning now. I'm up to season three. Mm -hmm. So I only have 400 and something episodes left to go. <laughs> I, we are all binging everything. What did we watch over here? We're sci-fi freaks. We wa I got CBS All Access so we could watch uh, all of the Star Trek um, Discovery, the new one, oh, and yes. all of Star Trek Picard. Oh, I love it. I love it. I do awesome. want to watch that because um, Anthony Rapp's on it. Who I They're love. really good. They're really yeah. good. Both both Discovery and Picard are there. I mean, you have to generally like Star Trek and the premise and the stuff. I mean, if if you're someone who's going, ew, Star Trek, then you probably won't like them. <laughs> right, right. But they're really good. It's some of the, the just fabulous ideas and creativity and writing and acting and whatnot. It's fantastic. Yes, it is. Well, we just have a few minutes left. Um, oh, so no! I know, I know. I've so much enjoyed talking to you. Um, we're just going to do a few rapid fire questions and then we'll do my okay. quote unquote famous ending. So a few rapid fire questions are uh, peanut butter, crunchy or smooth? Oh, absolutely crunchy. Uh, super chunk. Uh, yeah, no, absolutely. Chunk, the um, um, only only the super skippy super chunk that's it i don't need oh, anything okay. but skippy super chunk. and i go to costco and get the giant two jars taped together <laughs> and yeah i didn't go crazy on the toilet paper i did go crazy on the peanut butter sorry if you can't find that. the peanut butter it was me <laughs> skippy super chunk that's it and how do you take your coffee oh god with everything my husband calls it dessert coffee <laughs> he drink he drinks black he drinks his coffee black he drinks strong coffee black and i i have three sugar cubes and i don't know how much milk it's not fat milk but i real milk and real sugar i do like splenda and sometimes mm -hmm. i go splenda but it's sugar and splenda or splenda or sugar and milk and lots of both <laughs> i love oh my god i love it i love sugar so yeah um, i'm terrible <laughs> what's your go-to medicine for a headache right this has i have 
And you know, for the COVID, they're saying, mm, go with the Tylenol, not right, so much the ibuprofen. Right. And, and that's sort of iffy. On the one hand, it came out of a study in France, or actually like one doctor in France, and the French are mad for para, paracetamol or whatever they call Tylenol in Europe. And they have uh-huh. Dolipran, Dolipran, which is like... 10 times our extra strength Tylenol. Oh, wow. And they, it's like everything. It's like, um, my nose is stuffed up. Here, take a Dolly Pran. That's not anti-congestant. <laughs> it's Tylenol. Take a do- Dolly Pran is for everything. By God, though, if you do have a headache, that'll do the trick. I like Aleve. I do like oh, the uh-huh. that one. I like Aleve. Um, but I will also uh, do Tylenol. And I like aspirin. Sometimes aspirin actually is the thing you need. So uh, we have everything in this house. This got a medicine chest you wouldn't believe. So <laughs> we <laughs> well, I know Band-Aid. where to go when I need when I need something. I have ibuprofen. I have the Aleve. I have the I have the Tylenol. I have the aspirin. I have the band aids. I'm surprised I don't have Mercurochrome <laughs> <laughs> with the glass stick. And what's your favorite emoji when texting? <laughs> Um, I finally am starting to learn emojis. I think the one that I've actually used most is the uh, laughing till you're crying hysterically face. Oh, yes. I love that. That one gets used the most. Yeah. Yeah. And lastly, peppermint or spearmint? Peppermint. Definitely peppermint. Spearmint. Spearmint gum is okay, but generally peppermint. Like the peppermint sticks in the Olsen's Mm -hmm. Mercantile. Mm. Mm, So good. And the, uh, I always end my interviews playing off of my podcast title, Bearing It All. So if you could reveal something about yourself that you have not told previously, what would you share with me today? Oh, good God. Again, it's like every second of my life has been analyzed and discussed to pieces. <laughs> <laughs> um, God, what? Um what have I not, what have I not told anyone? It's like every, I've told everyone, everything in the entire world. Um, well, let's see. I haven't watched that Tiger Man reality show oh, Tiger thing. Tiger King, T- yes. Um, because I did watch five minutes and it's like I know these people already. <laughs> and I told Bobby, oh, this looks awful. I don't think we want to watch this, do we? I said, well, no. I said, normal people who lead like normal lives or sheltered lives find this show very exciting i said the problem is you and i we've met these weirdos and we already know how this ends (laughs) (laughs) i said i swear if you turn on the show you go oh that guy didn't we meet him at a party so we totally know people like this so we would be like yeah no i've seen this act (laughs) (laughs) i know too many people like that i love it do we know what happened to the animals did the animals did they go to like tippy hedrons where did Um, they go did they rescue them because he was no not good for tigers i actually that's what i haven't heard because they had to obviously they had to take them out of where they can leave them where they found them there's a couple of like good tiger sanctuaries in the country and they usually they ship them there yeah i don't know what they did and i haven't watched there's that one like where are they now episode that i have not watched so i I have to go check i i I can call i can call my publicist because um tippy as you know tippy hedron um has lions and tigers and pumas and bobcats and whatnot at her place in acton at shambhala and it is a sanctuary and she usually 
when you usually when you hear some horror story about lions and tigers in somebody's house, they all wind up at Tippy Hedron's. Mm. If they're, if, I guess, if they're the side of the Rockies, I don't know. <laughs> well, hopefully, hopefully that's where they went to. I'm hoping, yeah. Yes, yes. Well, that's the whole interview. Thank you so much oh. for talking with me today, especially so early in the morning. And um, I know everybody listening is going to tune in to your online show, Confessions of a Prairie Terror, May 9th and May 16th. And um, I'll have the link to to the Stage It viewing uh, on my website at callmeadam.com. And also, don't forget, here at the Broadway Podcast Network, we have over 60 theater and art-related podcasts. Mm. So during this time, Definitely come check us out, broadwaypodcastnetwork.com, and explore all of the shows we have. And awesome. thanks for listening. And stay oh, yeah. safe and wash your hands and try get some rest. This is very stressful. Get Take naps. Take lots of naps. I swear it works. It's like the only way to get through this. Yes, that's great advice. Great, and thanks for listening. He'll get the dirt and the scoop and the story For he happens to be in the know Just ask anybody who's had him at all The place for the business of show CallMeAdam.com Find more episodes of Burying It All with Call Me Adam at BroadwayPodcastNetwork.com And everywhere podcasts are streamed, including iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Play Music, and Stitcher. Follow me on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at CallMeAdamNYC. For my print and video interviews, visit my website, CallMeAdam.com. And finally, if you really want to get involved, become a member of my Patreon page at Patreon.com backslash call me adam nyc there you'll get exclusive perks including behind the scene photos videos and everybody's favorite swag